0: Alan Robertson is the man who reared the likes of Chris Boyd and Stephen Naismith when he was Kilmarnock's head of youth but now he's trying to get Bonneton to grow up fast. After leaving the south of Scotland league for the west they were immediately plunged into the top flight. It's been a steep learning curve, they sit bottom of the pile but they have beaten Pollock and narrowly lost to Cumbernauld United on the weekend. We hear about the transition for the club and the work going on behind the scenes. One of the humblest man in the game, Alan also tells us about how he's finding life managing adults rather than kids. And recalls the first time he saw Boydie score goals. We also look back at Alan's career, which saw him play over 600 games for Kilmarnock. Plus it's been a week of drama at Pollock. After seeing three men sent off against Auchinleck last Saturday they still managed to draw three each with the league leaders But just days later they were booted out of the Junior Cup along with Irvine Victoria after an injury time fight led to their clash the week before being called off We hear from their boss Murdo McKinnon on both events It's all here as we go Down the Divisions Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, it sounded like some game for your new Mains United side on the weekend, Paul, uh, an eight-goal thriller, Danny Greenock juniors, which saw both teams emerge with a point. But I'm told there was a controversial last-minute penalty that denied you all three points.
1: Uh, Certainly was controversial, Gareth. Uh, I I don't really know where to start here because... We lost the goal after 30 seconds, and you can imagine, I'm thinking to myself, here we go, this could be a, this could be a long day, and offensively, I thought Greenock were very, very good, eh, and caused a lot of problems, especially in the first 30 seconds, eh, but we got ourselves back into the game, one at half-time in the lead, and listen, for the for the neutral, it was a great game, if you were down there watching that on Saturday, it was an enjoyable game, eh, Played in the best of spirits as well. It was, you know, can't complain. And then an incident happened. A couple of incidents happened where we felt, and I hold my hands up, I was part of us. that a few of the decisions hadn't went our way. We got a our centre-back, got booked for, to be honest, Gareth, and I don't like complaining about referees, a hard job, but he got booked for nothing really. And then, few minutes later, a Greenock player went through on one of our boys, on, on Mike, Michael Barton, and I just felt that it was a worse decision than, than what had happened previously. No booking. Two minutes later, then a ball clearly goes out, and it was our, our throwing, or we believe it was our throwing, and he gives it the opposite way. So at this point, we've wrongly, hold my hands up, and and Craig Gotwell wrongly getting involved with the referee which sees Craig getting a red card. Both of us were out of order. I'm going to hold my hands up. Craig sent off. And I said to the referee at this point, you're going to go up the park and give a penalty or play this game until you've given them a goal. And I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. hold my hands up. True to his word, <laughs> he goes up the park. Now, this incident is actually on YouTube. And I'm going to ask anybody to go onto YouTube and type in Greenock Juniors, the new Mains United, and go to it one hour and 42 minutes and tell me what's happened here. Go and have a look at it. It's not just me. Just go and have a look at it. And there's not a line on the part that you can see, by the way. The, the, obviously, the, the lining machine clearly broke down at Greenock on the weekend. So I actually joked before the game that, oh, things don't go our way, we, we could get this abandoned, I was joking and as I say go and have a look for yourself 1 hour 42 minutes I don't even think it's a penalty, I think Craig Scott, I don't even think it's a foul, Craig Scott's got his back turned I personally, my opinion, think the guy's throwing himself to the ground and I don't know where the referee standing right next to it, thinks the 18 yard box is and gives a penalty and that Summed it up for us. Come away for Greenock with a well-earned point, by the way. You know we played well. Take nothing away for the guys. A well-earned point. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, Garth. Maybe, maybe it's me that's wrong. But as I say, go on. One hour, 42 minutes. See for yourself.
0: Well, let the uh, let the listeners uh, judge then when they go I on think. YouTube. Send your comments in. <laughs> maybe it's me. Maybe it's me uh well it sounded like at least um didn't get the three points but uh another improved performance as the weeks go by and you get your players back so we'll uh, well follow how things go next week um a quick word for our sponsors media agency 44 creative not only do they have photographers graphic designers videographers and video editors to help promote your content brand organization or event they now offer website services too they make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.
2: Hiya, I'm Paul Fries. I'm Beef Captain and you're listening to Down the Divisions.
0: Bonneton Thistle boss Alan Robertson is on the show this week. Thanks for being with us, Alan. No problem. Before we chat some more, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One all the way down into the lower leagues, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. So this week, I'm looking for the club, and we'll see uh, how you get on with this as well, Alan. Uh, I'm looking for the club who celebrated their centenary year last year, but then were the first club to withdraw from the West of Scotland League after it had kicked off. The small town where they play was once the home of one of the founding members of Scottish indie band, Belle and Sebastian. I know you're a bit of an old Belle and Sebastian fan pool. Uh And they once had former Aberdeen, Manchester United and Scotland goalkeeper Jim Layton on their books. Ooh. I think Alan should get this without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Why is the Scotland team?
0: <laughs> Don't reveal your answer, Alan, but have you got, have you
3: got any idea? Uh, well, until the last clue, I was stuck in a i and mean, now, now I'm puzzled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll, uh,
0: we'll find out the answer at the end of the show. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager
3: of Clay Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions.
0: Bonneton boss Alan Robertson is with us this week uh well for for those who don't know until last year Bonneton were in the south of Scotland league uh you were accepted into the west of Scotland league and placed in the in the premier division straight away Alan um how has that been I mean you're sitting you're sitting bottom at the minute has it has it been a tougher start than than you'd hoped or was kind of taking time to adapt to the different levels something you always budgeted for
3: No, we always knew that it was a massive step up for us. I mean, when originally when the idea of the West of Scotland League was mooted, it was envisaged that it would be conferences and we felt, well, you know, we can get used to uh, the level at that stage, but then uh, they decided that because we were at tier six already in the South of Scotland League that we would go in with all the the big guns really so we always knew it was going to be very hard Um, the sort of shortened season, last season after eight games we felt was beneficial for us because you can tell players and you know that they know it's going to be harder but that was at least an experience for them as as to how hard Um, and then this season has turned out I don't think we're as bad as, well, I don't think we can be as bad as our position says we are, Um, but we've had a lot of games where uh, we've lost points in the last uh, five minutes or so, so some of the performances have been reasonable, there's only been a couple where I would say that we've definitely been out of depth, Um, but as I say, we knew it was going to be hard and it's just a question of knuckling down and trying to uh, improve for the remainder of the season.
1: Alan, just for some of our listeners, can you actually say where Bonington is and tell us a little bit more about the club and why the decision was to leave the south of Scotland to, to come up to the, the west of Scotland?
3: Uh, well, Bonington is it's, uh, based in Colmarnock. Um, It was started as a boys club I think it was 1948 if I've got that wrong yes I'm sure somebody at the club will let me know mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a successful boys club in the area that uh, in the relatively recent past had, had a lot of Scottish Cup success um, at under 18 and under 19 level um, and club has always Been progressive and looking to improve and so they wanted to have a pathway for uh, all the players coming through from the very young teams to go to a senior team so that was the reason why uh, they originally decided to form a senior team about four years ago Um, and they chose to join the uh, South of Scotland League because it was part of the pyramid system at that stage and therefore it was a potential way if w- they could continue to improve that they could possibly progress even further. Um, and then so we had, I think it was three years in the South of Scotland League uh, and then the the changes came about uh, and really uh, we chose to leave Partly because um, all the other clubs were now going into the pyramid system uh, and was where we wanted to be. And uh, the South of Scotland League was obviously an awful lot more travelling for us than uh, the the West of Scotland League was going to be. Uh, And as I say, we didn't expect to be in with all the the top teams, but the majority of them are based around like Glasgow and Ayrshire. So you know the, the travelling aspect has certainly been uh, reduced for us, and we were finding in the South of Scotland League that not the not the only reason, but it was one of the reasons why we found it at times difficult to attract players. Uh, so uh, just really, it was a way of uh, trying to stretch ourselves but as I say we, we originally thought it was going to be a conference set up and not the way it ended up uh, but as I say we uh, obviously don't enjoy getting beat but you know, I think uh, the standards it's a good standard and, uh, good teams and good players in it so it's uh, an experience for us but we need to get our, our own house in order you know.
1: And did you retain quite a few of the players from the South of Scotland team when you come over, or was it a kind of had had to kind of freshen it up a little bit to to try and compete in that league?
3: No, we we had to freshen it up a wee bit. But um, trying to think, Saturday Saturday, I think we had the starting eleven. I think there was six six or seven who had been with us in the South of Scotland League. Uh, but we have we have recruited. A few players who have uh, who had experience at uh, at the junior level and who've who have contributed to the, the development of the team.
0: Just in terms of uh, going straight into the the Premier League, did 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 the club have any input in that? In the sense of, I don't know whether you, I don't know whether not being quite ready to be. That high so fast so quickly is the right way to to describe it. But the way you're talking, maybe you know, thinking it was going to be conferences that did, did the the did the club push for that, or or, or was it something then? That from what you're saying, it was more just that you, there was an acceptance that that they that the West of Scotland League felt you were worthy of that place in the top division.
3: Well, I'm I'm not sure who decided. I think really the reason why. It happened was because, as I say, we were an existing team at tier six. And I think the SFA's view was that we should stay at that level. Right. Uh, I think that, as far as I'm aware, that was the logic behind it.
0: I mean, we've talked about some of the, the results in the conferences this season because of the disparity between teams as everything's kind of settling down and filtering out and teams are finding their level do you think there's an aspect of, of that for you that, you know, you're still having to find your level and not that this season is going to be a write-off because it's going to be a learning experience for everybody, but you have got to put it into massive perspective?
3: have to put it into perspective, but as I say, uh, with the exception of a couple of games, uh, most of our other games have been uh, very competitive where we've lost by an odd goal or so, or we've lost by a couple of late goals. It's not as if every game we've been, it's certainly not the case that every game we've been outplayed for 90 minutes. You know, as I say, with the exception of a couple of games, uh, one where we had a lot of players missing for a variety of reasons. There's been a couple where we haven't been competitive, but the vast majority we have. Uh, but it's it's getting itself that extra 5% that gets us over the line and gets a point or three points
1: I think as well, Alan that league certainly not to be underestimated the quality in that league is absolutely superb there's some real top talent in that league as well and you guys have done well did you take points off Pollock as well, didn't you?
3: Yeah, we, we beat Pollock early on I mean, I don't know whether that was a case I wouldn't think so because Pollock are obviously a very professional club, but whether you know newcomers then for this and they weren't totally up for it, but you know we we played well that night. and uh, I think we deserved to win, um, so that that but that probably alerted a lot of the other teams to say, well, we can't. <laughs> we better <laughs> make sure we've got our game face on today. Uh, so you know, from that point of view. But, but that should have given us confidence to build on it. Unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, it was certainly, well, that's obviously been the highlight of our season so far, but hopefully there's going to be a few more.
0: I remember talking to you a few years ago and, and you were telling me about all the sort of facilities that Upgrade and, and everything, all the work that was being done at Bonneton. Just, just kind of maybe tell us a bit about that um, because it certainly sounds like you've got a really good setup down there.
3: Yeah, it is, and I mean, we're uh, working hard to try and uh, achieve the, uh, the club licence uh, for for the benefit of the whole club, not just the senior team, but uh, at the moment there's been uh, sort of outside uh, toilets uh, put in place. We're putting a covered shelter in place, uh, the changing rooms, uh, have changed since we originally started about four years ago at, at the town home site. Uh, there, they've they were uh, sort of uh, painted, etc. During the summer, uh, so you know, we've been adding bits and pieces to it. Uh, but it's a good, it's a good AstroTurf pitch, and uh, you know, it's uh, the whole the club's well run. So you know, the, the, it's certainly. It's a, a, a good facility.
0: And what about you? I mean, I, we're going to we'll come on to your kind of uh, your playing and coaching career a bit later on, but I could have sworn you said you'd retired from football a few years ago, Alan, and, and here you are back in a dugout.
3: Uh, I said I retired from command. probably. Oh, now. was that what it was? I'm up after, uh, what? Well, Football being your life for 24/7 for a lot of years, the, the thought of actually just cutting it off and going to nothing uh, was wasn't really a, an attractive thought. So uh-huh. you know, I was pleased to get the opportunity at Bonneton to be able to continue uh, coaching and uh, taking the team and things.
1: How did that role come about, Alan? Obviously, we know you were at Kilmarnock for years, and as Gareth says, we'll touch on that later on. You brought some fantastic talent through there. Was it just is that something did, did Kilmarnock have a link with Bonnington over the years that's seen your connection with yourself?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, as I said earlier, Bonington were one of the main boys clubs in the area, so uh, I had quite a lot of dealings with Ian Higgins, who's uh, the the main person at Bonneton and uh, so I had I dealt with him over the years in terms of getting players from Bonneton and him uh, getting players that maybe got released by Kilmarnock or being uh, some players going there. So we, you know, we we talked to each other a lot. And to say when Bonneton cho- chose to uh, go with a senior team. It, Sort of coincided really with uh, my retiring or slightly after my retiring. So you know, Ian gave me the opportunity myself and Paul Wright to get involved with uh, uh, the senior team at Bonneton.
0: You talk about the the boys' club. I mean, there's, there's some there's some top names who have come through there, aren't there? The likes, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Alan Mahood, Craig Conway, Derek Stilly have all been at the club. The parts of the parts of their early career. Um, are you still? I mean, is, is, is promoting the youth a big part of your role down there now? To bring the you know, the young boys through into the first team is that how it's kind of the 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 the, the, the plan there now?
3: Yeah, we want to keep uh, a, a a reasonable percentage of the team being players who have come through the system at Moniton. Um, we have obviously. Um, We've got a good under 20s team at the moment, or 21s, because of COVID, the, the age has changed a wee bit. But we've got a, a good team at that level, and a number of players who uh, have played for us already this season, and there'll be more before the end of the season. So, uh, and obviously, uh, Bonnet and i get teams from uh, the very young age groups right through. So. Uh, although there is the pathway for ones to come through with monitoring, there will always be uh, senior other senior teams who are looking at uh, good young players, as there always has been.
0: And is Paul? You've still got Paul Wright
3: as your assistant, or is, is he still there? Yeah, Paul's still there. He's still firing in all cylinders. <laughs> is that uh, you, you? Go way back, obviously. Uh, yeah, well, uh, when I when I started uh, I, uh, in the full time in the in the youth side, uh, Paul was was a player then, uh, and then uh, he and I was at a youth at Kilmarnock, He was one of the the coach of the under the under-16s as it were so you know we've, we've been involved with each other for a long time
0: uh, And quite a good uh, is a good cop, bad cop, is that how it works? Is there, is there a good dynamic between you?
3: Well I think to last as long as we have there has to be something between us <laughs> uh, whether it's a good cop, bad cop it depends on a Saturday <laughs> um, but I uh, we've got We've got different strengths at, at times, but uh, but no, we both uh, you know we we're both we're comfortable enough with each other that we can say what we think, and uh, then we just do what we think's best for the team.
1: I think also from a player's point of view, Gareth. I mean, what experience to call on? Alan and Paul, we you know at this level, absolutely superb. You know to. For, for players to be able to lean on that is, is is something special, and that must be an actual attraction, Alan, to for players to come in.
3: Well, I think a lot of my players don't even remember, don't even know how I played. <laughs> but <laughs> you're,
1: you're well known in the area, Alan, for the guy who brought through so many players at the Kilmarnock first teams. Is there, you know, I, th- I think you're doing yourself an, an injustice there.
3: Well, you, you hope so. Uh, you know that people do remember what uh, things that have gone in the past and it is an attraction to come to the club uh, and that hopefully uh, you know that we can continue to improve players because although we're very conscious we want results but we want to improve players as well.
1: I think that's the most modest answer we've ever had on the show there Gareth.
0: I think so. Very 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 modest is Alan. <laughs> you wouldn't know Alan's achieved all he has in the game speaking like that would you?
1: Absolutely.
0: You, you you said, Alan, that you're you're obviously based in K- uh, Kilmarnock. Do you have do you, do you notice sort of when Kilmarnock may be away on on games that you maybe get uh, the crowd swells a bit? Do you get many Kelly fans coming down.
3: No, I can't really say that. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we've established a, a core support yet. Um, right. I think the the uh, the South of Scotland League perhaps it was understandable. Um, but we're hoping that, you know, if we can probably get a, a better um success in the league, that we will be able to attract people when, uh, who don't travel to the away games for Kilmarnock.
1: And do you think they've all been lured up to Darville with the pies up there?
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> else, but, uh, I mean, Darville have obviously... Uh, Made great strides over recent years, but uh, and I think their uh, crowds have improved. But I'm sure if, if we could uh, do something worthwhile at, at Bonnet, then people would prefer to stay and come on
0: You lost 3 uh, 2 to Cumbernauld United on Saturday, but uh, another Ayrshire derby this weekend uh, against Cumnock at home. Uh, yeah. A tricky proposition.
3: Yeah, well, Cumnock have had a number of good results, and uh, you know the, they've obviously got a, a, a good history. Uh, so uh, we know that we'll be in for a hard game in Saffron. Did you feel hard done by it against Cumbernauld? Uh, we did a bit, yes. The first half we were uh, we, we actually went ahead, although they had a lot of pressure and, and a lot of crosses that. Uh, went across the goals, and uh, you know it was we were we were probably a wee bit fortunate uh, to be ahead. But the second half we actually played better, but uh, we lost a goal uh, in the first half that had made it level, and then we had gone up two one. Uh, oh, sorry, they went up two one. We got back to two each, and. Second half, we were actually we looked more comfortable than we were in the first half. But as I say, the last-minute goal uh, or the goal and injury time uh, cost us again. And so it was it was disappointing from that point of view. But you know, I think both teams did well, considering the conditions, uh, because the rain had obviously made bits of the park difficult. Although it was, you know, there was there was nothing wrong with the majority of it.
0: Who have impressed you in that league so far, Alan? There's obviously, we've talked about the quality of the league. Ock and Lekker, obviously, leading Pollocker in second spot. But you've got, you know, the, your Clyde Banks and, you know, your Cumnucks and the rest of them. Who, who have they been the ones so far that you've played? Darvell, obviously, we mentioned them.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've we actually, our first half a dozen fixtures, we played uh, a lot of the, the sort of Teams were expected to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, like Darvel and Cowden, uh, Harrowford. Uh, you know, so we had a walk light, So we had we had a, wee, a wee bit of a baptism of fire. But in the main, most of the games we played quite well. Cowdening uh, was one of the ones. They were probably the best team. Uh, we lost six uh, one, but actually at forty. 43 minutes or something, I think it was 1 nothing to us, and cool. then they scored two goals just before half time, and then in the second half, uh, just ran over the top of us. But they were they were probably the most impressive team that we've played, I think.
1: I think one of the other things, Alan, is people, our listeners will realise it by now because it's been mentioned, but the toughest part of that league is seven teams get relegated. Yeah. How, do you, how do you see that going, you know, in terms of, I think we had manager on the other week saying it was actually the league then gets split into three sections you've got the guys that's going for it at the top who's going to win it, you've got the guys in the middle who's kind of fighting it out just not to get in that, that drop zone, then you've got the, the guys at the very bottom battling it out, that's going to be some exciting football gets played in that league over the next uh, few months
3: Yeah, well I think, you know, with that many teams getting relegated at, uh as long as you don't get cut adrift, as we are a wee bit at the moment, but if we can get a few more points in the board, and then uh, you can, you know, you, you've got a target to try and get, get. But I think there'll certainly be a lot of games, and uh, certainly the teams at the top, uh, I think they're all capable of beating each other. Um, will be and a good run at the moment. Uh, so you know, I think it'll it'll be uh, very interesting right to the end.
1: In terms of you coming from the south of Scotland and going into that league, you talk about the start and the teams you had, in Harrowford, teams like that. It must be daunting for you in your first season having to go to, <laughs> you're talking coming to you on Saturday, by the way, which honestly if anybody's not going to a game on Saturday, get down and watch that because I think it'll be an absolute great game. Yeah, the, the top teams, but it must be daunting for Bonington going into that league.
3: Yeah, very much so. Uh, as I say you're playing against teams who've got a lot of history and who and a lot of success behind them, and, uh, and also teams that have been est- were established junior teams. Uh, so you know, we always knew it was going to be hard, but uh, we 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 wanted to be competitive. And as I say, in the majority of games we have, um, but we need to we need to find that bit extra that. Gets us over the line and gets his points, uh, whether it's defending better, whether it's uh, having more, been more clinical at some of the chances that we get. But I suppose every manager can say that, really. My name is John McHugh, the manager of Shortspawn Accord, and you're listening to Down the Division.
0: Well, as I said at the start of the show, there's been plenty happening involving Pollock over the past seven days. Uh, the interview with their boss, Murdo McKinnon, which we're about to play, was recorded before the Scottish Junior FA decided to expel them from the Junior Cup. However, stay tuned afterwards where we'll read out some more words from Murdo on that decision. It was a dramatic afternoon at Fields on Saturday as eight-man Pollock drew three all with unbeaten West of Scotland Premier League leaders Auchinleck Talbot. Pollock a second, three points behind Talbot, and their boss Murdo McKinnon, joins us now. Thanks for being with us, Murdo. Uh, first things first, has the heart rate died down yet?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's died, it's died down. To a couple of days, but it, it's died down, it's died down, back to normaly. T- t-
0: tell us, tell us exactly what happened, because I mean, it sounded uh, a dramatic. Probably doesn't even do the t- do do the game justice. Aye, well it's a game certainly in my time
2: and, uh, which has been quite a long time at a level of a game that I've never experienced kind of before. Tell her how it, how it developed and unravelled you know with you know three red cards three penalty kicks a host of bookings, and I don't think it was a bad challenge in the game to be totally honest we think it was a really good competitive game two good sides on, like our top side and you know we're a good side we're doing really really well at the moment um, thousand plus supporters there you know, looking for that competitiveness and, you know, looking forward to that game. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, it, it, from a football perspective on the pitch, it was nothing other than remarkable, you know. Absolutely remarkable.
1: From a management point of view, well, first of all, when did the first sort of sending off take place to, to win the last one? And then how do you deal with that? How do you how do you deal going to eight men? Because that must have been a tough gig, especially <laughs> a, a strong, strong ball because
2: I've got to be honest with you. Any 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 coaching qualifications, any um any literature that I've read, anything that I've kind of, you know, <laughs> try and improve my knowledge in terms of football over the years has no prepared me for that. I've got to be honest with you. Um, didn't it, didn't attend it me in the first half. You know, Evan Hornman, the boys in the middle of the pitch. Evan's a really good player, doing really well. He's obviously he's made a decision to go to ground and a challenge kind of early in the game and which is maybe not the best decision and he get, and he get gets booked and it's that old one Paul where Talbot are kind of breaking away and the boy cuts across him and he jumps back and puts his hands in there trying not to touch him but he kind of gets deliberately touched you know type of thing but you know he's got a smart play whatever I, I just think maybe you know there's other maybe referees that maybe they've been you know with, with that, the magnitude of that game they've just kind of seen it differently but listen with a little I've not really you get major complaints with that and you get into ten men and that's difficult enough against Tottenham like Talbot is you know it's um, you know getting reshaped, getting us back in. It'd have been good to get in um at two because we were two nil up at the point, to be honest with you. and we had the you know, a corner kick with the numerous opportunities to put the ball on it and Talbot scrambled it clear three or four times, you know, um with another shot within the box. So we could have scored maybe again, you know, um within it. But we were Probably the more potent side. We were, you know, on the ascendancy at that point, and that kind of changed the game a bit. if I'm being honest with you, kind of pivoted on that and Talbot getting a penalty, which I, I would, I'll hold my hand, hands up here. Three penalties. I thought the three of them were soft. I being totally honest with you about it. And we got two of them. But do you know what? need to be honest about that. We got a penalty, which just for me, I don't think it's a penalty. It's just, uh, you know, the level of the game. I think it needs to be something really concrete there I think it's more of guesswork and, and they get the penalty and they score a good goal I have to say Jamie Glasgow's second goals a good goal defensively through our point of view I wasn't happy with we allowed them too much time to come in but they get back into the game within a 10 minute period you know um, and it goes in we get into each rather than 2-0 you know so it's um, reorganising the boys getting them getting them you know um, settled down getting them into shape you know changing the game plan tweaking the game plan a wee bit we were going and we did that well. And well, when we came out, we started the second half brilliantly. I probably started the second half better side with ten men and again we got another penalty. Um and we put the penalty away and we go three two. And again, you know, with ten men in the pitch chicken kind are of, the the way the boys were playing obviously looking like a really good because you never count your chickens, you know, there. So but I think, you know, we could have went on and won the game, you know, if if we had have kept that was ten men in the park, and then just kind of losing the other two men was just so difficult. We lost a man. Believe it or no, he was injured in on in our box, and um, there was a couple of words exchanged with um, a couple of like, Talbot supporters. Somebody told me one of them was a committee. Man, I'm not. I'm not sure what it was. I'm not so sure I couldn't confirm that, and it doesn't really matter. But there was a couple of words exchanged anyway. The lad was lying on the ground, injured, and kind of get yourself when the referee decided to send him off for having exchanging I have no say given, but exchanging a few words with a couple of guys and probably which it would be no more than you know a bit of I want I say banter but a kind of exchange it would happen to any other game you know I would say at some point in the game decided to send their lad off and, um, which was disappointing again nine men <laughs> really difficult then backs to the wall and then he sent Adam Ford off remarkably the ball comes up for a goal kick for, for a lad and striker defender two of them are competitive as they are going to be Craig McCracken's a, a smashing player you know known for admiration for the lad he's a really good player for him like Adam for us top striker and they compete they compete and big Craig he's a free kick away he's clambering over, over and he Grab, he's, he's physical the big lad and you know he's within his rights to compete for the ball and he he kind of Grabs Adam, one point he's got his leg around him, you know, that, that much, so he kind of swings him down and forces him down onto the ground. At that time, Adam's lost his control of his body because he's he's lost his balance, you know. The, you know Craig's thrown him, and I think Adam's arm, as he's going down, Adam's arm's come up and connected with Craig's chin. So it was the, it was the bottom, you know, just under his wrist here, because Adam's got, Adam's got a bruise on it, you know what I mean? So he's Obviously, doesn't he know what has happened, where he's hit the boy? But he just knows, he feels it. He gets up, and you can see him. The referee gives us the free kick. He's ten yards away. Gives us the free kick. Start the game. The linesman's not no. Don't be wrong. The Talbot bench, wasn't he? You know, having looked, looked back, I don't know, think the reaction was the best. But um, that, that's the game and the heat, of the passion, in the moment at that time. But Adam gets up to make sure Craig's all right because he's obviously felt his arm. He sees him on the ground. Twenty seconds or so passes, and then the referee. Waves on our, our, our physio, because we've got one there, you know, we use our physio, get him on to check Craig out, make sure he's okay and uh, decides to produce a red card for Adam, which was amazing. But even more amazing, we continued the game, we were free kick, Do you know,
1: That's unbelievable.
2: so it was still our free kick. So, um... The influence on the ref for me is he went over to Craig, he rolled Craig over on the ground and seen the blood, that the lad had cut his chin so I'm no suggesting that there was any contact made, I'm no suggesting for a minute that Craig was you know, trying to con the referee and like that he was clearly clearly hurt, clearly injured so he was the main cause for concern at that point to make sure his safety was okay and he was alright um, and that was Adam's main cause for concern I have to say so you know, it speaks volumes for Adam as well um, making sure he was alright um, and he was gratefully. He's he's okay. So um, probably bigger picture there, like the Craig Zori, which is is pleasing. But um,
1: and how I many really minutes I, are going at this point, Murdo How many how many minutes are we at? We're, at, we're at
2: 68 67 minutes. So we've got about twenty three minutes left to play, Paul. I and mean, I'm doing eight men.
1: And uh, against a very, I mean, often like a great side, very total side we, and very, very direct as well. And when you and when you're you're back down to that and paper and balls on top, of you, you must be difficult. <laughs> yeah, for that 23 minutes, you would not think they were direct. You think they were Barcelona. So, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, it
0: was
2: like honestly. Uh, yeah, like I say, I've never experienced that. The kind of boys are like me. What do we do? and I'm going like that. What do we do? You go know, searching my pockets and all that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but no, we do. I said all we could do was camp in be resolute you know, get a good shape about us, be competitive when they encroached on our box, you know, confront them, press them, stop crosses because they stretched us. An incredible amount of work. It was like a training game, you know, it was almost like the, the boys booted clear, we get it, and we come back at you. It's like waves of attack, literally, like waves of attack. That's what like it was, so it was um, nerve wracking. I have to say, in credit to the boys, they held it to the 88th minute. 88th minute, they held it at 3-2 up. And that's when Talbot scored the equaliser. And there was a hint, I've got to be honest with you here again, I may be saying, there's a hint of half-side about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, listen, 88th uh, minutes, so, you know, I was disappointed for them. But the bottom line is, as well, you know, when you're down to eight men with 23 minutes to go against nothing like Talbot, do you know, you're getting out of the place with a three each Robert with something at the game and it's probably nothing less than my boys deserved. I was disappointed that they didn't take all three points, but heroic heroic, honestly, performance, putting their bodies in the line, making blocks, making tackles, you know, must be exhausted, legs like jelly, no doubt, do you know what I mean? But it was a, a sight to behold, you know. And and I have to say the sports supporters were magnificent. I don't know, you know the, the lads got a standing ovation in the way off the park which they deserved you know which they deserved so I, I was chuffed to a bitch them I was proud as punch about how they they went about their business and that but I'm no surprised either you know Gareth I'm really, I'm really no surprised by how they, they go about their business their, their, their attitudes and their you know their commitment and their effort this year has been brilliant absolutely brilliant that, that's shown in the results recently I'm sure you know so um join a of people? So, aye, it, it's a game that I've no experience before, and I hope I never
1: experience again. through that. <laughs> you know that? It's a game. It's a game you wouldn't experience. It. You, you you probably would never come across that again. But what I will say, you know, for anybody unsure about going to ever watch West of Scotland football, there you go. The entertainment's there. A thousand people turn up at your ground Saturday. What a spectacle! And do you know what? It's international weekend this weekend. So why don't people go out and? watch these games because they are certainly entertaining would they
2: brilliant honestly I, I find the standard standard of the league and obviously I've not been to a lot of conference games this year I would have been you know if if you know if I was able to you know going and watching football cause I like to go and watch the games and that and then I think the standard of the league and the standard of the teams across the board the Premier League I can speak for because I'm, I'm competing every week and we, we compete every week in the standard and that's fantastic really good teams really good players but I do know within the conferences the there the are other clubs that are there, some huge clubs down there in the conferences, um, some really good players, some really good teams in there as well. So, I mean, the whole league and then there's clubs there who are really trying their best, really doing well, you know, with, with their clubs bringing in players, getting young players the opportunity to come and play as well. It's, brilliant, refreshing, it's really good, really, really good, you know what I mean, so I, I would encourage people to go out and watch it, you know, I mean, a, a few of my mates have started taking it up and come and watching the games, but I'm not sure whether that's because of the standard of football, whether they just like, give me pelters, don't know <laughs> what that is.
0: <laughs> Murdo, it's been, a, it's been a, I guess a, I don't know, an action-packed couple of weeks for you, you had the game at, in Victoria getting abandoned as well, what, I mean, that was, that was, that was a kind of uh, another day when things maybe didn't go to plan, I mean, just talk talk briefly about that and and, um, how all that unfolds. Aye, aye,
2: aye. Listen, firstly, um, there's obviously ongoing investigations and there'll there'll be obviously hearings um, about that game because, you know, I'll be quite open in saying the kind of, the scenes um, at at the game are, are not acceptable. Do you know? I'll be quite frank with that. It's not. It's not an acceptable thing. It's not what I'm about. It's not what my club are about. It's not what my players are about either. I have to say. Um, I don't. I don't condone. Um, the kind of actions that took place there. And um, there are children. you know coming to these games now, but which we want to encourage. Um, if I'm a father, my parent, I'm thinking twice. you know? Seeing that. So, um, firstly, I'll make that very clear and state that. Um. I also think what we can allow to happen is people to encroach in the pitch and assault players, and and that was the crux of it. Do you know, there was a um, a person for the opposition, you know, who wasn't on the team line, coach, player who was not don't know what, but came on and encroached onto the pitch and assaulted a player, mm-hmm. um, and then there was ultimately a a reaction to that, which. Again I don't I don't condone violence on when the picture and like that, but there's an understandable reaction in terms of defending yourself. I get that. Um for me the whole incident was unsavory. I think perhaps it could have been dealt with in a better way. Um I mean I've got the video footage and it's a two minute well you know footage and that includes ten seconds of footage where there's a, a, a really bad foul which kicks it off. On one-hour players. Um, the incident itself, people on the pitch, you know what it's like, Paul, you've been in the yeah. game, You know, people going to the pitch, 90% of it, 95% of it, is people pushing and calling each other names and this and that, and get them off the pitch and get yeah. on with the game. There's probably two or three people there that need maybe, maybe dealt with the referee. In the 93rd minute of the game, um, it, there's a dangerous precedent there to be set as well. You know, um, I feel personally in that you're losing a cup tie, you can start a fight, mm-hmm. and have a game abandoned and get a replay out. Um, and, and, and please don't, uh, I, I would hate to think anybody may, may, may sitting here kind of preaching and, oh, you know, you know, we we, we were part of of that incident and it's certainly a regret of mine and our club and our players, I have to say. You know, I've spoken to the players about that and about, about, about the standards, but I would have to defend them to the certain aspect that, um, you know, if there wasn't an encroachment on at the park that instant wouldn't it have happened. It wouldn't have happened, you know. um, I, Probably what I want to say about that is you just kind of finish off on um I, I just like to emphasise again, it's regrettable, you know, absolutely regrettable. It's no something again that I would say myself or our club condone um, in any, any manner or means um, there's lots of regrets there's regrets there you know um, I'm sure for both sides um, on that and um, I'm hoping there's a sensible decision um, made by the, the Junior FA um, we've all I believe cooperated as much as we can we don't have anything to hide you know we had two video cameras there two different angles too you know that's that's there that's supplies we have nothing we don't have anything to hide Um, we we want to go and we want to promote the game and we want to make the game a spectacle where we have you know a thousand plus supporters we have as many families and young kids coming through the gates the future you know supporters of the game at our level we want all that our our club stand for all that you know we, we, we base a lot in our community and what we do run about our community hence we had our, our food bank collection and stuff and Saturday was very successful and we thank everybody for that as well so you know we've got a lot of community aspects and activities going on around about our club we're a family club you know um, and it's really you know unfortunate um, it's really um, you know something that's regrettable and as I say I hope I'm never there to witness kind of again I would say
0: I appreciate you saying that, Murdo, uh, and thanks for thanks for coming on the on the show and talking us talking us through both games. You're a way to, cook to like Rob Roy this weekend, so wish you all the best for that, and uh, we'll catch up with you during the during the season again.
2: Brilliant, brilliant. Keep up the good work, lads. Enjoy listening to the podcast. I hope everything goes well with you.
1: And thanks for coming on, Murdo. Always good to catch up with you, mate. Brilliant, Paul. Thanks, good to
2: see you again, mate. Good to see both of you again. Wish you well.
0: Thanks, Murdo. So they were Murdo's thoughts on Tuesday night. Since then, both clubs have been kicked out of the cup, with some reports claiming Irving Victoria have also been fined. Pollock are due to put a statement out on the decision, but Murdo has asked these words to be read out on his behalf. They are solely his comments and not those of the club. So Murdo says, What I will say is I'm extremely disappointed with the outcome. As I said earlier the event itself is not acceptable not something that either myself or Pollock FC condone. I do feel that the punishment in our case is extreme and that there are other courses of action that could have been taken. I'm speaking for myself here and not my club when I say that it sets a precedent and also provides a shadow of uncertainty about the responsibility that clubs have when ensuring the safety of the players on the pitch.
3: My
2: name's Tommy Sloan, O'Connect Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions.
0: Bonneton boss Alan Robertson is with us this week. Uh, he might be manager at uh, the Synergy Arena at the moment, but as we've uh, we've already mentioned uh, before that, Alan, you obviously had such a long association with Kilmarnock, 607 appearances, I think a club record playing at left back. And, uh, that's where, well, it all started out at Troon Juniors actually before then, didn't it? Is, is, that, is that where you kind of honed your trade?
3: Yeah, well, I played at Easter Craigs in Glasgow um, before that, and then Comarnock uh, signed me on a provisional form, or what was a provisional form in those days, and they put me out to uh, Troon for uh, a season and a bit. Uh, Jim Stewart, uh, was also at Trune. Uh, Derek McDicken was at Darval, although uh, he came to Troon later on as well. Um, so I mean that was you know that was something that was done in those days. And certainly it was it was a learning curve for me uh, at Troon. An enjoyable time as well.
1: I'll oh, see I mean what, what kind of year was that when you when you were into uh, sort of Troon from from Kilmarnock and was it that traditional route where you went in as on part of the ground staff or was it, were you working or how, how did it come about?
3: Uh, no, I mean, uh, it was, I'm giving away my age here, but however, um, it was uh, about 1970 or so. So, I mean, Comarnock uh, were in transition from uh, full-time to part-time. They still had, they had two or three full-time players uh like jim mcsherry and billy dixon uh, jimmy cook uh, eddie morrison uh, so th- uh, they, they only had a few uh, full-time players and the rest were part-time uh, and then as i say i was at, i was signed at, at true and i was i was working i mean i was uh, an accountant so I was doing that, and then I was just uh, training uh, with uh, Truun for for the the time when I was a provisional signing.
1: So, So, at any point, Alan, were you full time? Then later, you know, as as the years went on, did they become full time?
3: No, no. uh, Well, obviously they're full time now, and uh, became full time. Uh, after I left, <laughs> I'm not sure whether there's a coincidence there or not. Six hundred
1: games later, and they decided to go full time.
3: <laughs> oh, there was a change. Uh, there was change in management, and Jim Fleeton came in, uh, and uh, his, his family came in behind it. Uh, that uh, the the club went full time, but uh, I was released uh, just before they went full time. You obviously
0: played so many games for the club. You had some, a few promotions were in there. What when you look back over your time as a player at Kilmarnock, what would be the, the memories that you treasure?
3: Yeah, I'll just say, we 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 had a few promotions. So obviously we had a few relegations as well. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, the uh, the games which obviously which stand out are the uh, the ones where we beat Celtic in the cup uh, after a replay at Rugby Park Um, because we had at that stage we had a sort of a history of when I was playing that we would get drawn against a team from a higher league and we'd do well away from home and then we'd bring them back to Rugby Park and we always lost the replay Uh, partly I think because all the Good teams really relished playing at Rugby Park at that stage because it had one of the best grass pitches, and it was always in good nick. Uh, So getting a bigger team back to Rugby Park wasn't the advantage that it was for some of the other clubs. But the Celtic game, we managed to actually uh, bring them back to Rugby Park and actually win that game. So you know that was that's one of the main highlights. But the promotions as well were. uh, each one was special because that's what you had uh, tried for all season and i suppose the, the first one in particular when we we beat Still and Albion on the last day uh, in order to uh, to go up uh, that that was you know the, it's, it was my my first uh, mm-hmm. first season first uh, full season in the first team and so that was that was a good experience
1: Going back to that Celtic game, Alan. So, who were the kind of big names in the Celtic team at that time?
3: Uh, well, there was Johannes Edvoldsen was playing. Uh, the guy John uh, Dowie, who they brought up from Fulham, played as well. Uh, Roy Aiken played. He got sent off. Uh, I think Tommy Burns played. Uh, and you know that that was that was the main ones. You were a good side.
0: So you you played you played six hundred and seven games, and then I mean obviously you went into the the youth coaching in two thousand and four. Was um, was coaching something you always had in the back of your mind as you were a player, or was that something that came came a bit more latterly, and specifically youth coaching, or or you know how did that all develop?
3: Um, I, I, had, I had done uh, some of the, the, uh, the coaching courses while I was still playing and I had a wee bit of interest, um, but nothing major. But um, I've, as I say, when I got released from Kilmarnock, it was uh, December and I thought to myself, okay, uh, that, I'll go and watch games, I'll pick a, a game that looks attractive and I'll go and watch that on a Saturday uh, but after the first one I thought mm. uh, I went watch two uh, I think it was Adrian and Clyde Bank who were up the top of the, the league at that stage and I didn't really get any enjoyment out of the game just because I wasn't uh, committed so I thought I need to uh, try and do something else so uh, I didn't do anything else but that season, but uh, I then I spoke to some people from Easter Craigs where I had played, and they asked me to take their under 18s. Uh, so I thought, well, that's a way of getting some involvement again. So I did that for a year, uh, and then I had taken a, a, one of the boys in the team, had got asked to go to a trial at Hamilton. And I took him through uh, and watched the game. I spoke to John Park, who was in charge of Hamilton at the time. And he asked me if I wanted to go to Hamilton and do some coaching. So uh, at the end of that season, I went to Hamilton to join uh, John Park and uh, Joe McGreevy, uh, the three of us. But I took the under-18 team at that stage. And, you know, I had smashing two or three years at Hamilton and then uh, John and Joe moved on to Motherwell um, and I get, I get the opportunity to go to Kilmarnock and I decided to go there so uh, that was really how, how I got in and started at Comarna.
1: And we've obviously gauged already you're quite a modest man but talk us through some of the players that have come through, whether it's been when your time at Hamilton that went into the first team or or whether it's been your time at Kilmarnock and don't hold back?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton, uh, the, the main ones were uh, Jim Sherry and uh, boy Colin Cram, uh, who uh, went on and played for the first team. Uh, when I went to Kilmarnock, they had... They had a good crop of under eighteen players. Uh, Jimmy Clark, who had uh, been in charge of the youth system before uh, I I got there, he had assembled a team with a lot of good players like uh, Charlie Adams, uh, Mark Roberts, uh, David Sharkey, David White, uh, Kevin Doig. Uh, you know, a, a lot of good players. Colin Meldrum and goals. Uh, so uh, that was that was a, a good starting point that I had and then brought in uh, some we went from under eighteens started under sixteens and brought in some some extras as well. Um, because Stuart McLean and I took the team at that stage and well very quickly. David Began who'd already been in the youth system but was a younger player, he came in and like, uh, Alec Stuart and I got uh, well. Thanks to our scouts, we brought in Alec. But so they were two of the ones really early on who, uh, you know, made a big impact because obviously they played in the cup final team and made a big contribution that season. Of certainly from the time they got the team. Uh, after that, it was well uh, Jim Laughlin uh, was brought in and then. Uh, it was, I mean, obviously, uh, the likes of Chris Boyd and uh, was Chris was a major, one of the major successes that we had at the club. Uh, he was always going to score goals. In mean, the very first night, we saw him up the Dean Park. All he wanted to do was score goals. So he thought, Oh well, he'll do it." And you know, he just kept doing that throughout his career. Uh, and Stephen Naismith was another one. He was he was in the system as a, a younger player, and he just you know came through and uh, just got better with each age group. Really uh, got through into the first team at, at a relatively early age. Um, but there was others as well, Gary McDonald, who came into the first team, and uh, played a lot of games that did well too. Um, but even even in more recent years, you know, people like Mark O'Hara and uh, Lee Ashcroft who weren't at the club all that long but are now doing very well at in, 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 in Motherwell and in, in Dundee, respectively. You know, players who came through there and, and have done well. There were all obviously others as well who uh, did very well. Uh, you know, people like uh, Gary Hay and James Fowler and Paul De Giacomo, who are all uh, have had good careers with Kilmarnock and are still working at the club. Uh, others from that sort of era as well, like uh, Peter Canero and uh, Jim Lachlan, who uh, was one of the, Jim was one of the early ones who got sold for a transfer fee. Um, So they were the ones at at the outset And then as time has gone on Others have also joined I mean people like Chris Johnson Matthew Kennedy uh, And there was uh, a couple of goalkeepers as well With Cammy Bell and Craig Sampson Although uh, Jim Stewart takes the credit for them Rather than me Because I wouldn't really know where to start With a goalkeeper (laughs) Uh, Obviously most of those players are in the past, uh, in, the, in the more recent times, uh, perhaps haven't been as frequent. But people like uh, Greg Taylor and Greg Kilty, who uh, have both moved on, and, and Robbie Muirhead as well, who have moved on to other clubs. And although uh, Rory McKenzie, who was around that time as well, you know Rory's still there and has been a, a tremendous servant to the club. Uh, so you know there's been a lot of players, and there's a lot that I've missed out and apologise to them. Uh, Sean Dillon is now a rival manager to me in the, of uh, in the West of Scotland League so uh, we played his team the other week and uh, Jamie Hamill, it's good to see him still being involved in football uh, as uh, the Strenard manager he's maybe seen the other side of it now uh, but as I say, throughout the period there were a lot of players and as I say, I was lucky that there were so many uh, decent players uh, around that time.
0: When, when you talk about guys like Gary Hay and James Fowler, full backs, uh, long servants of the club, did you see maybe parts of yourself in them? They were very much kind of club men, weren't they?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, although both... Uh, Gary and, and James uh, started as wingers uh, yeah. with the the under-18s, or uh, certainly on, uh, Gary was maybe with under-16s, but they started as wingers, and uh, one of one of the scouts that had at the time, Ken McAlpine, or Davy Love rather, I don't think he ever forgave me for uh, moving Gary Hay back from the left wing, uh, and uh, James was also a a winger when he started out, and uh, it was just you know, he graduated to being a midfield player and a fullback and really uh, played in a variety of positions. Um, but I don't think you ever really think that players are going to, you know, spend their whole career with a club, really. Uh, it's just something that evolves over time, and they were obviously uh, great servants to the club. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, we were fortunate, and we had a lot of players came through. Um, in right, the time,
0: you talk about uh, Chris Boyd just wanting to score goals <clears throat> as soon as he kind of came into the club. As soon as you saw him, how, how important, though, do you think is the kind of style of of coaching youth players at that at that age when I guess there's still the formative years, isn't it? Both as as individuals and as players and. And how vital is the youth coach's role, do you think, at that point in their career, as much as they've got the ability and the talent?
3: Yeah, well, I think that the youth coach you know, has got to uh, drum the basics into them and uh, make sure that they can master those uh, and make things enjoyable for them, so that uh, the, the player uh, wants to learn. Obviously, the, the the best players will want to learn regardless, but they can be helped along that road by uh, getting the correct encouragement from the coach and just giving them uh, a bit of freedom to you know, uh, go on and, and do their own thing. Don't try and make everything regimented. Uh, let them express themselves as players, uh, albeit as they get older, then they have to fit into whichever system. Uh, the club is going is to uh, uh, utilize.
1: I think also, Alan, as well, uh, the talent gets you into the club, doesn't it? It takes a lot more then to get into the first team. And I think that's where the youth coach comes in as well, is about promoting that culture and, and what you need to do and those extra bits, you know, that that, that probably people don't see. And, you know, we've, we've heard that a million times before, or oh, this boy was the greatest player ever, but never made it. But I actually think the importance of the youth coach there, and I'm sure Alan will agree that it's actually to take them to that next stage. Your talent's got them in there, but they've got to do that extra bit to to certainly get into the first team.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, because I mean the mid- players at the the younger age groups are probably going to or they are going to be the best players, and everything's been in their favour and they've been the top man and then they go into the, the senior environment where they're starting at the bottom rung again and they've got to uh, have the correct mental uh, character in order to be able to take that and to take the, the criticism of uh, senior players uh, who are trying to help them and to m- let them develop and you know they've got to uh, take that on board and learn from it.
0: Does it seem strange now turning on your telly and seeing uh, seeing Boydie on Sky Sports?
3: Uh, I suppose it is a bit, yeah, but uh, he always he always had an opinion, so. Uh, <laughs> <not> so-
0: <laughs> I was gonna say,
3: did, did, did you have
0: to get Boydie in like for talk sometimes as well, or any or like uh, even a Smith, you know, these guys just to keep them on the on the right road?
3: It's always ones who have. Uh, you, you try to help if they're, or they're struggling or they're, they're going down a wrong route. But, uh, you know, Nesey and Boy, they were always, you know, they always, they always wanted to be uh, senior players. Mm-hmm. And they got, got in uh, as young players. So, you know, they, they, were, they were in the, the, the first team from a young age. Is there a
0: different skill then? I mean, obviously you're managing now in the West of Scotland League. You're managing senior players while trying to promote the youth. But is there a different skill? Have you found that it's a different way? I don't know of of speaking of managing. Is it, is it kind of have you learned new ways of working a little bit because you're working with a different type of player to to when you were bringing the young boys through at Kilmarnock?
3: Yeah, I think it is different when you're dealing with uh, with older players. Um and also where uh, you know you're you're going to be gauged on your results, not by uh, how how many or how good some of the players are. I mean uh always remember like uh, Kenny Shields saying, you know, that he wasn't interested in youth results. He said as long if you've got the three best players in the pitch, that's what he he regarded as being a success, you know, and that was that was the way Kenny Kenny worked. That he 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 just wanted players to develop. He wasn't worried about results <laughs> at this level, you know. He he just he, as long as you had uh, the best, some of the best players on the pitch, then uh, he felt that that was what the, the youth system was there for. Him.
1: How have you found the transition? Alan? Because obviously, when you in that youth environment, you've got guys who are desperate just to make sure that they make it, or they're going to get their next contract. You know, are they going to get into the first team? And it's more a case of showing that ability, not to try to show their talent, not to get released because there's, I'm not saying there's a stigma about getting released, but you know they're going to see boys going on. Now you've gone into a changing room where I would presume, like. I don't know, 90% of the teams in the West of Scotland League, you have a guy sat on the bench for the last four weeks. He's knocked your door and says, one, well, why am I not playing? Or do you know what? I'm just going to hand my training kit back because I'm not coming here and sitting on a Saturday. You know, the, there's a there's a, a mindset switch there, isn't there? There's that eh, one guy is really hungry to make it and he's not going to rock the boat. To All of a sudden, you've got this guy saying, well, why am I giving up my Saturday if I'm not getting on the pitch?
3: Yeah, very much. So that's I think one of the, the major challenges at uh, at the level that we're at now in terms of, is keeping a squad happy because uh, I say a couple of weeks ago we were down. I mean, we we've got, we had a squad of about twenty players, but we were down to the bare bones. Uh, so when everybody's fit, there's a lot of people who, you know, s- some weeks early, earlier in the season. We had players who couldn't even be stripped because, uh, you know, you're uh, with more than 18 players. Uh, so it's, it's very difficult to keep them motivated uh, and to make sure they're coming back. But I think you have to, you know, try to convince them that if they show uh, willingness and ability at training, then... Uh, if somebody in the 1st 11 isn't doing it, then they'll get their chance and it's up to them to keep that. But it certainly is difficult. And it's one of the things that I think uh, like the West, West of Scotland League and leagues like them, I mean, we're still restricted to three substitutes. I mean, I think for teams like who have got at this level, if you've got five subs, you've got the possibility of keeping uh, sixteen people happy on a Saturday as opposed to uh fourteen. You know, I think that I think that would be a worthwhile thing. You
0: mentioned you worked under Kenny Shields, obviously at Kilmarnock. Uh, you also had the likes of Jim Jeffries, Jimmy Calderwood, Mike <laughs> as managers as well. How much did did you either consciously or subconsciously take from them? You know, and, and even maybe now employing some of their ways of working now you're dealing with a senior team. I mean, it must have been a great learning curve seeing those kind of guys working at the top level.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're obviously all uh, quite different. Um, some, uh, depending on where the, uh, where the training was or when the training was, you know, you didn't get the chance to see all that much of the training because you were doing your own uh, thing at that time while you were doing it at a different location in some occasions. But but no, I mean you've also got you you get to know what type of players a particular manager wants and is willing to play in his first team. So you know there's no point in you having a technically good centre back who can play it out to the back if the team wants a centre half that goes and wins headers. And clears the lines, you know. So you have to, you have to try and make sure that you've got players that are, uh, accommodate what the managers looking for.
0: How much, uh, how much does does Kilmarnock mean to you? I mean, over, I mean, it's obviously a club close to your heart. But you know, playing for there for so long as you did, uh, coaching there for as long as you did it must have felt been a strange day the first day you woke up and you didn't have Kilmarnock in your life.
3: Yeah, very much so because you know, even before uh, before I was involved in a playing sense, I was brought up in Kilmarnock and I was brought up supporting Kilmarnock. So you know, I'd always been uh, a major, if not the major part of my life really. Uh, so uh, it's certainly like strange to to be in the outside as opposed to uh, being on the inside uh, <clears throat> once, once i finished or once I retire there. But, you know, life goes on and you have to just get on with, with what's there. So, you know, but obviously, come on, it's still, uh, you know, a result that I look for and I'm keen to see them do well.
0: And obviously, results last year didn't go so well. Was that tough to watch as well?
3: Yeah, it was obviously uh, to lose their uh, Premiership status uh, After such Such a long time uh, It was a sore one uh, But hopefully They can They can bounce back This season
0: I mean I know you're obviously Managing on a weekend But do you still try, do you try and get the games Like if there's a midweek game And you're not training Or is that proving difficult With the commitment At Bonneton
3: Well it's sometimes Difficult uh, Given uh, Well depending On which night The, the games are And uh, been out uh, training two nights a week, sometimes going to watch the under 20s. There's a limit to how much time I can get free. Mm-hmm.
0: And also, you've got to get that golf handicap down as well, haven't you? That, that's, got to, that's, that's the priority as well.
3: Uh, well, I would like to, but uh, it doesn't show an awful lot of signs of doing so. <laughs> a couple of good weeks and then a, uh, about four bad weeks. So, uh, <laughs> I know the feeling well Alan. I'm Adam
1: Hopes,
0: co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. And now it's time for Mark Mackay to tell us who was this week's Best of the West.
2: Last week's Best of the West saw Cumbernal go head to head with Pointing Thistle at Guy's Meadow with Cumbernauld sitting 16th and Bonnington sitting bottom it was a massive game for Tony Fraser's side. With Bonnington's only win so far this season coming versus Pollock then on their day they are shown they can compete with anyone in the west of Scotland. After leading 2-1 Bonnington will be gutted to lose the game 3-2 to an 89 minute winner and the second of the day for Cumbernauld forward. Kieran Bubakari. It was the first one in six for Fraser's men, and with seven going down this year from the premier, it looks very much like a league within a league as the battle for survival
3: starts to hot up.
1: Hi, my name is Jamie Nesbitt, manager of Thornwood United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions.
0: Before we finish up, we'll clear up the the down-the-divisions decider. So this week, I'm looking for the club from SPFL League One all the way down uh, that celebrated their centenary year last year. But then they were the first club to withdraw from the West of Scotland League after it had kicked off. The small town where they play was once the home of one of the founding members of Scottish indie band Bell & Sebastian. And they once had former Aberdeen, Manchester United and Scotland goalkeeper Jim Layton on their books. All right, who's going to go first? Don't all shout at once.
3: I would... Uh, just because of the Jim Layton thing, I would say Dalry. Dalry. Oh. Just when he...
1: If you hadn't said small town, I was going to say something like Mary Hill, but... Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, I, I don't know. I have, no, I have absolutely no idea. I'll have a guess. They pulled out. They were one of the first teams to pull out. I'm presuming that was because of the COVID. Right, yes. okay. Who pulled out? A few of the Ayrshire clubs pulled out. Auchinleck, and that's, not, that's a village, isn't it? Is that a town or a village? <sighs> We could be here all night
0: I have absolutely I'll, I'll tell you this he's got 607 appearances for Kalanick Annie is also a winner at the Down the Divisions decider on top of that oh, superb absolutely superb and, and, and I, I'm disappointed you didn't get it Paul because I think Dalai were in your conference last season and I think they pulled out the week after you should have played them is that right? yeah, yeah. did not know that there you go and is Jim
1: Leighton from that area is he? there you go I think he is I think he's Irvin yeah. is he? He's
0: was it Irvine? He was born.
3: I think he was that area, yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah, Aberdeen signed signed him from Dalry. Alan, thank you for coming on the show tonight and uh, giving up your time. And uh, great, to, great to hear from you and to hear all the good work that's going on down at Bonneton. And um, like we say, it's a tra- transitional season this season, but I'm sure you'll you'll get things uh, right and ready to go, and uh, you'll continue the good progress being made down there.
3: Hopefully, I mean that. And my, now I've used Skype, so that's a major step forward for me. <laughs> Every day's a school
0: day, Alan, isn't it? Exactly. that's it. <laughs> Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Uh, go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions.